Welcome to episode 393 of This Is Whole Life. And we are closing in on Christmas. By the time you hear this, hopefully, if everything has gone right with in the podcast world, which has still uh, been cheating us, for those of you who are listening on the website, congratulations. And please share with a friend on how you found the show until we get everything back to normal. But this week was, ep- no, this was number three. Is this already three in this series or two? This was two. Two. And the, oh, that's right. We have this week is the big Christmas. The 16th is big Christmas at Whole Life. And then we have one more after that. And two then more. we do. Well, do we count more, the other one? One more and then a final reflections. So, yeah. Is I the reflections part of this or do we count? No. no that's separate. The separate. So it's standalone. So, so it's this upcoming week, which you don't want to miss. Of course, it's all things Christmas. And from what I've heard through the grapevine, it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. I'm liking it. Should we introduce everybody? I think we should. I can, uh, Ken, why don't you, I'm going to let you do the honors today. Well, uh, I'm Just Ken. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you do here, Ken? Oh, I'm the lead pastor. Sure. And I occasionally preach. Occasionally. <laughs> occasionally. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully more than occasionally. <laughs> and then off to my left is Jeff. Yep. Uh, one of the associate pastors, along with Melanie to my left. And That's right. What, are you, what do you do here? What Jeff said. <laughs> uh, worship pastor. Worship pastor. Yes. And, uh, well, I'm Randy, and I'm the communication director here at the, and podcast guy at the church, and so that's the four of us. Yeah. yeah. There you go. All right. This week, uh, there wasn't a lot to go through. I'm going to save all the really cool stuff for the last episode of the year. A little insult. There wasn't a lot to go through. That's uh, no, 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 no. I mean, like usually we go through all the things that happened like during the week and things like. That. Oh, no, we, we have we have oh, massive okay. stuff to go through. Okay. But like we don't have a lot. Like we didn't get any emails this week. We didn't get any text messages. We didn't get any of that kind of stuff. I got a oh, oh. really cool Zoom uh, call from one of our Canadian. Oh, that's listeners, right. I Karen. There you go. So oh, Karen cool. up in Canada. Yeah. So awesome talking to you, Karen. Thanks for. Yeah. Watching the show or listening to the show and uh, listening to uh, the the message most weeks. Yeah, there yeah. You go. awesome. Thank you for joining us. So, just that we don't have a we didn't have a ton of that to go through. But I, what I was going to do is save uh, all of the growth we've had. Now I know that December is going to look like a very miserable month, probably for. Uh, well, it, it, it may go down in history as our worst podcast month because we have less listens so far in the month than we usually have for. Not even we're like we're not even close to being. We're a tenth of a normal episode for the whole month so far because of this issue. So. It, it, but even without December, we set some extremely, extremely high. We set an extremely high bar for next year. Is all I'm saying. Okay. Because our growth was uh, this year was out of this world. Must be Melanie's presence on the show. <laughs> well, that's what I've said since the beginning. I mean, that's that it the has only to thing be. that's really changed this year, right? Yeah. So, and now yeah. if Jeff leaves and it goes up, we're. I mean, then we then know we'll what that really was. Know. <laughs> then, we, yeah. then we'll. <laughs> then we'll know. <laughs> no, I don't even know what we're gonna do, Jeff. Because I just on weeks when you're not here, I'm just like, how are we supposed to wrap this up? I mean, the, the, you know, Jeff is Jeff takes that bow throughout the show gets those pieces and then at the end he like takes all the different pieces and he wraps them up in a nice little bow where there's no because more questions. I'm trying to trying to go. He's trying to get out. out of here. <laughs> He's the only person in here has a job, right? That's He's right. Like, I got things to do, you guys. I gotta get out of here. Oh, <laughs> uh, but seriously, Randy, I just want to talk all day. So. <laughs> well, this week I got a text message from Abel, and he's all it said was well, it was a partial message about the Lion King. 
And I was like, what? And then before I could even ask, like, well, what's this about? I get a phone call from Abel and he's like, hey, brother, just letting you know, uh, we're going to have some we're going to have some Disney <laughs> in our stream this week. So hopefully we don't get uh, we don't get punked down. Uh, we didn't get, oh, I was going to actually ask about that. Well, here, Facebook did us a favor during first service and just decided it wasn't going to work, which was a known we, issue with our streaming platform, which is hosted by Resi. I don't and I called Resi immediately and was like, hey, there's nothing that, happening, but I can see a link, but the link is broken. Um, I can see what I entered. It's all the same as normal. How come we're not on Facebook? And they said, yeah, that's a problem. We're not sure how to fix just yet, but uh, stay tuned. And I was like, okay. Huh. And then during second, I was just sitting down. I'd been talking to Nashville Tim for yep. about an hour about motorcycles. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> uh, and I lost track of time. And all of a sudden, I see Melanie's gone. I see the Dickens carolers are walking in. I was like, man, where's everybody going? And then I, I looked at my watch and I'm like, oh. So I was about to go to Facebook and say, hey, guys, we're not going to be on for a second. And sure enough, it just popped up and started it the work. Start. So oh. uh, I haven't gotten any notification yet that we were copyright infringement. So I guess maybe we were just short enough that maybe they didn't. Uh... So YouTube and Facebook accepted it, huh? Yeah, both. I didn't get a YouTube. So in case is... for if you're not really, if you're wondering what we're talking about, we use some clips from The Lion King. From The and Lion sometimes King, Sometimes yeah. some social media uh, platforms when you're streaming can get a little agitated if you fair use a, a clip. They don't see that as fair use. No. Even the Encanto parody, which is a, a win I will put in my hat, a feather in my hat. We have a church member who works for Disney and he's like, you got them to let you put it back up? He's like, that never happens. And I'm like, yeah, well... That's one. That's one win for Randy, and mm -hmm. pro it's probably one win for Jesus, in, in spite of Randy. Yep. But you know, I like to think I had something to do with it. Well, and for the record, we also pay for a special license, so we can show clips of things. <laughs> yeah, so that's just true. just that I'll put that out in the air. Thank you, Melanie, for making sure that, <laughs> that was clear. Sure we, we, we do have we do yeah. have that. That's true. Although the, the, in the prior two, weeks, although I'd still argue it's fair use. So there okay. we go. In the prior two weeks, it was just music that they didn't like. We were yeah. put on notice in other countries, which so, is weird because it was Christmas. Carols. Right. So I don't know what was out. So I still, I'm still trying to get to the bottom of what they didn't like, but I haven't gotten answers back yet. Does the so guy from Silent Night still have a copyright. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Apparently. Somebody was unhappy with what we were doing. But anyway, we'll, we'll, uh, it was nice to uh, not have to go back and worry about that, uh, at least so far for this week. All right. So this was come and see what God will do. And the, the joy on your face as you were describing. As, well, you were kind of playing Mufasa. The, you were kind of playing the characters, Mufasa, Mufasa. I was like, Ken. The hyenas. The hyenas. He's, yeah, he's into this. And yeah. I was, it was really, it was really raising my level of holiday engagement and, jo and joy <laughs> uh, with how hard you went with the hyenas and the Mufasa. And then, the, and then inviting everyone to sing through Takuna Matata. Like you, like most I didn't of the, invite them. I just said they could if they, they wanted. They could. To. Oh, that, I guess that's not. That's I don't, a, that's I don't feel like that was an invitation. No, I guess a, you're right. I, was just like, I did notice that people were singing Hakuna Matata a lot louder than the Christmas carols. <laughs> so I'm not sure what, <laughs> what that says. It's is it the, is it our proximity to Disney? Maybe there's some you know electromagnetic <laughs> waves that go out circular. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so. The thing that I guess when I was thinking about, and this is something that I think everyone resonates if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, or if you've not, and you've met a Christian who's been Christian for any amount of time, is the fear, whether it's you or someone that you know, that has a, a, a real 
because this struck a huge chord. It's a real fear of, and it's like the worst FOMO in history. Like I'm, I'm going to miss out, you know, it's the fear of missing out, but also worse than that, it's the fear of like the, your dream, which I love the fact that your dream is still, you, have you had that dream recently? No, uh, it's, no. Go back and watch the message. You can swipe up in today's show notes. Uh, yeah, speaking it starts of grace, the, starts it off. You can listen to it. It starts the message off. And I have one of those dreams. It's not about the end of times, but it was the end of times for Randy because I'm being chased by a bear. But I won't go through the whole dream here. <laughs> uh, but it so gets, a bear is your end of time. Well, I don't. Maybe <laughs> it can be. I guess so. You know, okay. maybe it was because I believe there's bears in Revelation, right? Yeah. It yeah. starts at the Please same spot up. every single time, and it, I'm at my grandfather's house in Michigan's up. Peninsula. We're playing in his junkyard in an old 64 Impala that we always played. My brother and I, cops and robbers, when we were just, you know, knee high to a grasshopper. And I can, I'm running down the path to my grandfather's house. And it's a sandy little driveway with river rock. I can smell the old tar paper siding that was on the shed. You can smell in your dreams? Oh, dude. Everything, everything is a. Do you dream in color too? Yep. It's all color, sensory. The sensory is so real. And as I'm, I can like literally he- feel the ground pounding as this bear gets closer to me. After he's jumped on the hood, we get out. I'm like, why didn't you stay in the car? He probably would have crushed the car. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I run for it. And my brother is there, but then he's, as soon as the bear's there, he's gone. He just vanishes. So he's of no use whatsoever. <laughs> I don't want to tell you what happened then, Randy. <laughs> you know, and, well, maybe. But the bear, if he had that much time, he wouldn't have been that fast. I don't know. Anyway, across in front of the garage, get to the breezeway, and I can see the old vertical handheld, the old hand um, handle to pull in. You got to push the button in and then pull. It's a screen door. It used to have a black handle, but all the paint was worn off of it. I can see the corrugated, the old green corrugated plastic that he had on the roof there. It was also on the sides as you went into the breezeway. And as I hit the button, I know the bear gets me, but then I wake up. Mm. And it is a wake up sweating. So I was really into, I found myself kind of getting lost in your dream as you're <laughs> describing it. Cause I'm like, wow, other people dream that way too. Like, yeah. cause most people, if I tell them that dream, they're like, that is oddly specific. And like to be able to smell it, but it's all the smells, it's all the feels. It's yeah. like, I'm right back there and it is so real. And I've had this dream. I probably haven't had it in about five years. But I will wake up usually screaming, shouting, or completely just soaked in sweat. And then I can't, can't, I'm not going back to sleep that night. It just isn't happening. <laughs> we can have so. a session. Sounds like you're <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. you may want to sit down with Chef. There's, uh, there's some stuff there you're going to want to deal with. <laughs> there's something. You know, I had a. I had an end. I was thinking about that when you were telling your story, Ken. I had an. I had no wow. idea this the <laughs> dream story would resonate with so many people. An no. end of time dream. I was five. Okay, and I remember wow. this very specifically. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and it's a little bit humorous now, but it wasn't very humorous then. No, no. I I could <laughs> see that Jesus was coming. There was like dark clouds mixed with really super white nope. bright clouds, and I had a little wheelbarrow. And somehow I knew that anyone I could fit in my wheelbarrow would be saved. And I was trying to get people to listen to me and get in the wheelbarrow, but they wouldn't listen to me because I was just a little kid. And finally I got some people in and then I ran to go get some more people. And while I was getting, trying to get the other people, those people crawled out. It was just the most stressful (laughs) dream. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. My wheelbarrow is empty and Jesus is almost here. So, I mean, but it was really traumatic because I felt like all this responsibility was on me and I was five. 
Wow. The wheelbarrow. So you had the dream when you were five or you you were five in your dream? I was five years old when I had the dream. Oh, okay. So you were five in your dream too, probably. I was also five in my dream, yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. Wow. Jeff, any... (laughs) I mean... Let's have some (laughs) call-ins. Hello, listener. You are on the air with Jeff. (laughs) Any, Any dreams? Oh, yeah, I probably have quite a few. I haven't had any from this sermon though. So okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's right. good. Well, I know I never had a dream, but I d- I did resonate with the dream for the reason I already stated the other dream, but that that was a real thing that I, I felt the weight of was it was just such a, a it's the end and the moment that you the. Jesus peer, comes through the cloud. The you know as soon as that light radiates through, if you haven't said. Jesus, forgive me before that happens, that, you know, you're going to be the one screaming for the rocks and the mountains. And this is really dumb, but I lived in Wisconsin. I'm like, there's no rocks and mountains around here. Well, you know, how so are you? So you're gonna, okay. You yeah, so, you know, but the, it was, so, it was. Fall on me, stock of corn. Cheese <laughs> <laughs> wheel. Cheese wheel. Cheese wheel. Yeah. Roll me over. Yeah. But, but like literally it was then it would go to deeper and darker ways that you would be, you know, the time of trouble. So maybe you're the person that gets thrown into jail and then you, you know, they're going to, you know, torture you or who knows what. And, and literally to the point where I I wouldn't fall asleep Mm. thinking about these kinds of things. And it was often after little things like, Hey, did you study your Sabbath school lesson for this week? And, you know, mom and dad are coming in, you have prayer and you're like, man, that scared the living business out of me, <laughs> even though we weren't even talking about revelation or the end times. But it was a reminder that all of this was in, like everything you did, everything Jesus was, everything you knew about God church, because you went to church school, you went to church, you were at that, you know what I mean? It was so much of your life at that age where everything and every friend, every person you nearly knew, because we lived out in Nowheresville, we didn't have any friends nearly outside of church. So like your entire life was wrapped up into, if I screw this up, uh, you know, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be beyond horrible. It's going to be things you can't imagine horrible. And that is, a, and, and people in the chat this week were just like, man, I feel seen yeah. Because this is how I still feel today. And that is a scary thought that makes me, I don't know, it, it, it makes me feel sad that someone is feeling that. But not not sad, but it makes me, makes my heart hurt for them that this is the place that they're finding themselves and they're, they're searching and I'm grateful. It also made me really, really grateful that I've, I've moved past that part in in my journey. Even though we all have those moments where you're like, "Ooh, man, I don't know. man, that was a today was a rough one. I better, I better read a whole chapter tonight uh, in my in my Bible study and and do some serious prayer time." But never to the fa- never to the point where I feel like that anymore. And I don't. Yeah, I had somebody actually call me the same day after you, you preached the sermon. They called me and wanted to talk about um, these kinds of feelings, especially for loved ones who they feel, um, you know, have the, in their mind. That aren't you know, getting we, in the wheelbarrow. Exactly. That aren't yeah. in that wheelbarrow. And uh, that's the part that I think people stress about is, you know, what happens to those people. And I'm. You know, that's what's so grateful about the fact that we're not the ones that decide this. <laughs> it feels really good that we have a loving fa- loving father who 
creates that. I do really, I mean, I do really identify with people who have those feelings. I mean, we traveled in public evangelism, you know, how many Daniel and Revelation seminars I sat through. I was, I was as a, as a small child, I, I had, uh, all of this circling in my head all the time. And I felt that heavy responsibility still. Yeah. And, um, I used to, I used to try to convert people all the time. Let's just say I wasn't invited to many slumber parties. (laughs) (laughs) Let's turn off this movie and talk. (laughs) But but that was the heavy, heavy thing that I, and, and I was afraid if I made some kind of mistake that, I would cause somebody else to miss out on, on, you know, heaven or something. Yeah. How about now though? Does anyone in the room feel like there's that heavy responsibility because of what we do for a living? Because we're, we're, uh, you know, we're on staff at a church and we're doing our best to present Jesus in ways that we find endearing and loving and who we believe him to be, that there's a, there's a responsibility there that may be somewhat akin to what others might feel. I absolutely feel like there's a responsibility. Absolutely. What I've had to get over is believing that I'm Jesus. Oh, okay. That, that, that I am the only reason that somebody will or will not be in heaven. Mm, okay. um, I've gotcha. had to get past that. I, um, and, and I want to, and I really want to answer your question carefully because I think that it would be wrong to say that I don't feel responsibility. I think, you know, if you're driving a taxi, you should feel responsibility for the passengers, and if you're, um, you know, the CEO of a company, you should feel responsibility for the job that you're doing at that company. And if you're a, um, you know, janitor, you should feel responsibility for doing the best job you can for yeah. the the place that you're doing janitorial. And as a pastor, I do feel responsibility. I do feel responsibility to rightly represent Jesus. At the same time, I've given up the belief that I save people <laughs> and yeah. that that somebody will be lost because of me. Um, it goes against it goes against my belief of who God is that God would say, well, you know, Jeff would have been in heaven, but um, he, if if Ken would have done a better job, then Jeff would have chosen me and would have wanted to be in heaven. But because Ken didn't do a good job, Jeff doesn't get to be in heaven. Um, that you know, when you look at the Old Testament, one of the things that you see there is it says that each person bears responsibility for themselves. It says that the parents um, are, you know, if a child makes a mistake that the parents can't be executed for what the child does and, and vice versa. And it's just one of my beliefs that if Jeff isn't in heaven, it was because Jeff made decisions um, and are there, th- will I have wanted to be the best person I can for Jeff? Absolutely. Sure. It doesn't take away my resolve to be the hands and feet of Jesus to Jeff but it takes away the idea that I'm somehow Jesus and that I'm the one that, that has died for Jeff's salvation. Mm. My job is to point people towards Jesus. Uh, and that's one of the really cool things I see about Jesus while he's on here on earth. I mean, he's the savior of the world and he does not see frantic and he doesn't seem like, Oh, uh Oh, he, he always just seems under control 
and he doesn't seem frantic and he seems purposeful. He he moves with purpose, but not with, I've got so much I got to get down. I don't know. What am I going to do? Jesus seems to figure out how to move through. I mean, you think about it, if, if, if I were casting myself in that position, I would feel like I need to have a lot more than 12 disciples. I, I need to get, you know, I need to have, you know, a hundred to a thousand disciples and we need to get, you know, we need to really organize this thing a little bit better. And, and Jesus seems to just allow God to be in charge and do what he's being called on to do moment to moment. You know, every time we have new member orientation, one of the things I constantly bring up is that we want people we want people when they when they join whole life we want them to think of their lives as authentic as being real and they live out their lives as authentically as they possibly can and um, they allow others to live out their lives authentically you know we have to get past this idea that we're God's family and friends marketing director because we, we tend <laughs> well, that's to a good one. we tend to create you know like oh that's I got to get every you know and or we're God's Gestapo where we get a chance yeah. to judge everybody. Mm. So I, I just look at and I look at the calling that each of us has. You you have a network of people that you rub shoulders with. We all do, and I just live the life I want to live the life that God has given me to live, and I think that's what He's asking us to do. He's not asking us to create relationships that are inauthentic mm, just yeah. so that we can get somebody in our, you know, our brand of Christianity. Well, and I also, I mean, I, I feel responsibility, but it's a whole different responsibility. Mm. I don't feel the fear anymore mm -hmm. because I don't think that, you know, I'm somehow, you know, tr you know, like God would really, really prefer that, that everyone just be lost, you know, and I somehow have to, you know, make somebody fit through the right hoops so that we can somehow please God enough. I don't feel that way anymore at all. I feel like everybody is on a journey and I may be called to walk alongside somebody for a period of that journey. But what I recognize now, similar to what Ken said, is I might walk along them, walk walk alongside them for a short period of time, but God walks alongside them all the all time. All the time, yeah. And so, and so, I I just I try to notice what's what's happening where God is already doing something, and just participate in what's already happening. And uh, so, so yeah, in terms of the fear. I don't, I don't feel that anymore. I think Jesus is the only one that says, or can say, seek and say the lost. I, I'm, I'm not sure I can define the lost. I think that's a, that's a better way of, of at least seeing, because if I start labeling everybody else, that's not acting like me as lost. That's a, <laughs> it's difficult to come back from that. Yeah. I have, yeah. A, I have a hard time with that, that hard line between saved yeah. and lost. I know that we, we love those binaries, you know, heaven, hell, yeah. sin, grace, you know, uh, lost, saved. But, um, you know, I, I think at some point in my life, I went through a transition where I went from thinking everybody's lost until they choose to be saved to feeling just, you know, through study of righteousness by faith, that everybody's saved unless they choose, that they don't want, they don't want anything to do with God. They don't want that relationship with God. And so that for me took off this pressure also, because 
because I feel like people have, you know, life experiences. I am not who I was when I was 15. Yeah. I'm not who I was when I was 30 last year. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's a joke. Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't, I didn't know. We just thought that was right. Yeah. 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 Okay. We were going we'll, with we'll, it. We'll just wow. go with it. Yeah. 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 No, just but, you're telling the truth. But, yeah. it, but anybody is going to have, you know, any, at any point in your life, you're going to have a snapshot and that may be who you are right now, but that may not be who you are 10 years from now or 20 years from now or 30 years from now. And I trust God enough that God can see 20, 30 all the way, God can see where someone would have been if yeah. they didn't get the opportunity to live 10, 20, 30. So I just, I feel like, I feel like it's really unfairly stacked in our favor. I think one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is what good is Christianity? What good is the faith that we're, that we're sharing? And I think that so many times we've made it about what's going to happen in the next life. We've made it so much about heaven that we forget that maybe one of the real tangible benefits to people right now, one of the reasons where I do feel urgency and where I do feel like I want to make in responsibility is that I believe that if I share my faith in the things that I believe, it brings peace, hope, in a better life to people that that right now in the now yeah. that I think that you have these things bring, you know, I mean, one of the things that the Seventh-day Adventist church um, has talked about a lot through the years is, is what we call our health message or, you know, eating right and um, not just eating right though, but just a, a complete lifestyle that we've talked about. And for me, that's one of those things where that, if, if, if you share that with somebody and it's something that resonates with them, that's something that has the potential to really make somebody's life better. You, you give them um, better health benefits now, better um, and, and that sort of thing. And so I really believe that the message that we have to share with the world about Jesus, I mean, I can just tell you so many people that I've been able to share Jesus with that just tell me my life is so much better now than it was before. I am happier. I feel more peace. And for me, that matters. And that's where the urgency that I feel in life is I want people to be able to have joy and peace and the, you know, the fruits of the spirit in their life, Yeah. Um, the fruit of the spirit in their life. Yeah. What? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think, I think it's also important to, to listen first mm -hmm. because I think that receptivity is really important. And sometimes this, this responsibility and this urgency causes us to share things that people aren't ready to hear or don't want to hear. And it can work against, you know, against where, where they might be headed. You know, I was, I was um, on an airplane a week or so ago and as we were landing, the guy next to me said, oh, you know, what are, what are you doing in Atlanta? And I told him I was going through a, going to a, a homiletics conference. And he, I said, where are you headed? And he said, oh, I'm headed to take Christmas presents to a bunch of children in San Salvador. And I said, oh, that's fantastic. And he said, you know, I used to be a really selfish person, but now that I've got Jesus in my life, I'm not selfish anymore. And I said, oh, wow, that's, that's really fantastic. You know, thank you for doing that. And um, he said, well... 
you know, he asked me a little bit about what I was doing and I explained to him that I was, you know, working on my dissertation and he asked me what it was about. And I told him it was, it was, had to do with doubt. And he said, oh, my pastor has the perfect response to skeptics. He just tells skeptics, you know what? I have questions too, but I also have a relationship with Jesus. And I was sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, like you are going to go tell your team that you got to witness to me on the airplane. And what you just said was such a massive turnoff that, um, that it, it's accomplishing exactly the opposite of what you want to do. So I'm, I know Ken, Ken is a good listener. <laughs> Ken is, is sensitive to people. So I just wanted to add that piece yeah. to what you were saying also is it, also listening is really important. Absolutely. My <laughs> speaking of plane stories, I have to add this. My son flies regularly between Asheville and uh, and Sanford, and I don't know what it is with people on planes. I guess they just feel like you know people are cornered, and so they get to <laughs> say whatever they want to say. And my son got onto <laughs> this particular flight, and the lady next to him, he Eric, you know, what's the sign? I mean, there's a literal sign that you can put on when you get on a plane that tells everybody around you, you do not want to talk. And headphones. that's you put headphones. Headphones. Just mm -hmm. put them on. Yep. Eric puts on his headphones. The lady next to him starts tapping him on the shoulder. He looks over her, takes off it, headphones, and first thing out of her mouth, do you know my Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> and Eric says, well, I'm a pastor's kid, so I don't. Uh, yeah, probably. And puts his headphone back and she taps him again. And she goes, oh, those are the hardest to save. Oh, and wow. I was like, that's crazy. I mean, oh. you just kind of wonder in what world you think that's a really effective, but I'll tell you the world that it's in. It's in the world, the, the billboard world, where if you just go ahead and tell somebody you've done your Christian duty, as long as you just throw it out, it doesn't matter how you present it. doesn't matter whether it's whether you're nice about it, it's the point is you've done your duty and now your blood is not on my hands because I've washed like Pilate. I've washed my hands in the water. I, I, I put the message out there. You didn't choose to hear about my Jesus. So I'm innocent. You're, you know, whatever happens to you is on your head now. And, um, I just wonder for all those who really feel like they genuinely are going to be responsible if they've taken the time to think that they may be responsible, if if that is the case, they also may be responsible for the way they present it. That it's not just a, a uh, and anyway, and so I, I feel a responsibility to God and I know I haven't been the greatest witness in, in many times in my life, but I also want to be honest about that and say I could do better. I could be a better person. I could sure. listen better and actually care about what you're needing as opposed to what I'm needing to share with you, to Melanie's point. I love everything that we just heard because I think what, Melanie, you talked before about, you know, people people change. We change, they change. And the person that you might know from 15 years ago certainly isn't the same person, just like you aren't the same person. Mm -hmm. So how you approach someone without listening is going to give them a snapshot of who you think they are, which is going to be off by about a decade and a half. And it's probably not going to hit the mark. Equally, we have to allow people to grow and, and, to, and to keep hold of what they, what, I mean, if they have any knowledge of Jesus, they're going to want to hold on to that pretty tightly to start with because of just to Ken's point, do you know my Jesus? 
Yeah. Well, I thought Jesus, I thought we all kind of agreed that, you know, Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the Savior. Maybe some things we can find in common. Maybe we don't agree on everything. But at the same time, maybe we can all decide that we can allow people to have and hold what they want. And if they're asking, sure, let's, I mean, if you're asking for my opinion, I can give it to you. But, you know, obviously we want to give it to you in as nice a way as possible. We want to make sure that we're not putting words in, in your mouth. Also, I, I really hate that when people are like, oh, well, then you believe this because you believe this. And it's like, oh, wow, that's a big, that's a big slap in the face. But to to really stop and listen and find out where they are and if there's or asking them what they believe about things. I love it when someone asks me, you know, what do you believe about this? Because they might know you're a Christian. They might know your denomination and they might know some beliefs that go with it. I love when people ask and say, you know, I don't think everyone believes this, but this is what I believe and this is why. And to me, I think those are some of the fun parts where you can then reciprocate and say, what do you think about that? Or, you know, have a have a real conversation, but then close your mouth and listen. That's actually usually my first question. If someone asks me, what do you believe about this? I always I always assume that what's behind that question is they want to tell me what they believe about it. So I'll ask that question back and see what happens. And most of the time. So much falls into place with my conversations with Melanie now. <laughs> he's on oh to man, you. my strategy is He's on to you, Melanie. <laughs> abort, abort. He's on to you. No, I the thing that I that I guess out of out of this message was I the I I loved the the Mufasa Christian and the Hakuna Matata Christian because they're both the same people. They both it's all it's all based in fear. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that uh, really, really resonated so hard with people in, in, I know that I could see online and, and, you know, the fact though, that as people are starting to go, wow, this is okay, but we get it. And then Ken says, God can lead us. Our lessons are God can lead us into dangerous situations and good liars can fool smart, godly people. <laughs> and those are the parts where I'm like, we've all we've all been there where one of these things has happened to you. You may be feeling good and you may be thinking, man, I'm, I'm taking the advice. I'm, you know, I'm looking to be more positive. I'm asking God where he wants me to go. I'm trying to trust. And then you get smacked with the God can lead me into a dangerous situation or just a bad situation that is there for whatever cause of its lessons. And good liars can can fool smart, godly people. And I started to think early on that's such a hard thing to overcome because I haven't – I'm not solid yet. I'm not, I haven't gotten to that point where I've realized, like Ken said, I'm not Jesus. It's not my job to save myself or anybody else. I'm going to – I'm going to tell – I'm going to tell Jesus – I'm going to tell people about Jesus – the way I know it, the way I live it, the way I think it, it to the best of my ability. And then the Holy Spirit has to water those seeds. And that's, that's and if I can be any more help, I hope I am, but I'm not counting on it because, you know, I, I know that I am not, uh, that's not my job. It's not my, it's not my, I don't think it's my gift necessarily. I think in so many times we underestimate planting the seed and we just want to be the watering can guiding people where, oh, I can put this here or there. We actually want to be the harvester most of the time. Well, there's that too. Yeah, that's probably yeah. I think most of us accurate. actually don't like being the watering can because the watering can doesn't seem like it's the, the ground just gets thirsty all again. And 
I've know. met a lot of Christians that want to, that, that end up being the fertilizer. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> seem very happy being that. Yeah, I yeah. follow you. <laughs> but I think the, you know, when it, when you boiled it all down to, you know, the biggest worry is, is where is your love at? Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're living in fear before Jesus comes back, you're not where Jesus wants you to be. And I was like, oh, there's the velvet sledgehammer we've been waiting for in the holiday season because it's really, it's really true. And I don't know how to explain sometimes the way I am confident now, like I've never been before, that Jesus doesn't want me to live in fear. And that he doesn't want me to worry about things that I, A, can't fix, B, I really have no idea that they're true or not. I'm just, I'm speculating, I'm listening to news, I'm listening to friends, I'm listening to, Ken, tell me about electromagnetic forces uh, knocking out the entire nation in a in a, in a book. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, and so we had a, to, to be fair, we had a really cool, lively conversation about- A book that I read. A book that he read, and it was uh, interesting, this, there was a lot of us staff that that lunch that day and it was it was really good conver- <laughs> it really was good conversation yeah. and it felt it felt really it felt really good to listen to everyone else but not leave being terrified right? but not leave being terrified yeah. because we all we all looked at it a little bit differently and even today we, we were at a, a a lot of us at staff were at a friend's funeral uh, a sibling of theirs had passed and we were at a funeral this morning and there was a lot of beautiful things that were said during, as you would expect, during a funeral. But one of them was, you know, there was a little, the little fear at the very end. But throughout their life, they lived a life without, really without fear that when someone would approach about Jesus, oh, I know what I know. I know what I believe. And I'm not worried. I'm, I'm in a good place. And that's a, that's a, you know, in in some circles, someone would say, I have people close to me that say, that's a little cocky to say, isn't it? Like, you know, you're saved. <laughs> and like, well, if I don't, I don't know why we're doing, I don't know what this is all about, <laughs> all about if I don't. And I just thought today that was a, that was a good, a, a really cool reminder that it's, you can, you can be confident. You can be confident that you well, that everything is going to turn out fine, and that in the, in the end, no matter what comes our way, that's the reward, and that's the and and. But to Ken's point, to once you realize that, it makes life better now to not have to put all that worry in. And I think that's a part that I didn't want people to miss was how how important it is right now to be able to live without all of that weight. Yeah, without you know, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear, and. You know, the topic of fear is one that is discussed a lot in the Bible. There's a a myth out there that says that the Bible says, do not be afraid 365 times. You may have seen it on uh, social media and it says the Bible says, do not be afraid. It doesn't say it that many times, depending on how you translate what. It's somewhere, be, I don't know, somewhere between 130 to maybe 300 times. At the, the point, though, is it is a phrase. What is really worth thinking about is that, that the phrase, fear not, do not be afraid, is repeated a lot in the Bible. And particularly as we're talking about the Christmas story. The angel says to Mary, don't be afraid. The angel says to Joseph, don't be afraid. The angel, the, the angels say to the shepherds, shepherds do yeah, not be, be afraid. It's this, this, this whole message or in Christmas is don't be afraid. God is with you. 
don't be afraid. If God is for us, who can be against us? And and so really, I do hope that that message really came out very clearly in this because I just find so many times, like I like I said at the beginning of this of the the message uh, this last Saturday. So many times we, you know, Christmas, we paint with all these cheery colors and we're, you know, it's the happiest time of the year, (laughs) joy to the world and all this. And then we start, then we say, oh, let's talk about Jesus' second coming. And we're like, oh, terrible times and fear and, and, you know, the heart's giving way, you know, and the Bible says those things. Yes. But the Bible also tells us, I've written these things to you so that you may believe. Believe what? Then you may believe that the person who told them is in control, that the person who's, you know, in, in the, the text, I think it was in John 14, um, Jesus, where Jesus says, I've told you these things so that you may, um, believe before they happen so that you can believe when they do. And right before that, Jesus says in that same chapter, Jesus says, my peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you, not a peace like the world has. If you have a faith that's leaving you afraid, you need to really re-examine it. You really, really, really need to re-examine it because biblically, that's not a faith that is the faith that God wants you to have. Hmm. That I believe that's the faith the devil wants you to have. Melanie just looked. I thought you were. Melanie's uh, chewing on her lip. We're trying to decide whether she was like going to just had some some, it, yeah. some more thoughts to insert or not. I have thoughts, but they're just sort of swirling around in my head. All right. Head. All right. Well, 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 I think we're none gonna, of them are making their way. Okay. I think I think <laughs> we're going to get yeah. back to this because we're going to we're going to jump into questions here, and uh, we we had a few. Alicia asked, "Could it be posited that some Christians or even some non Christians have the scar approach, which scar being from the?" Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lion King, and he was the uh, yeah. the villain. The, the villain. Yeah, the villain. Yeah. Uh, the the scar, bad uncle. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, some Christians or non Christians have the scar approach of sarcastically stating, "Oh, I'm quaking in fear." That was my best scar. I haven't seen the movie in like probably twenty years, so sorry. Yeah, I think that's the difference between fear and respect. Scar doesn't mm. respect Mufasa. It's. Um, and as Christians, should we have a deep respect for God? Absolutely. Absolutely. But should we live in quaking fear of God that God is going to abandon us or that God is going to let us miss out even though we desperately want to love him and want? No, that's not the kind of fear that God says that we need to have. And so I think that because the Bible says, the, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, some people have taken that out of the context that it's in, which is basically the reverent respect for God is the beginning of wisdom and applied it to like terror hmm. and, and not the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Trafina asked, good liars can sometimes fool godly people. That's a quote there, I think, from Ken. Mm -hmm. Is that sometimes a test from God for those who proclaim to be godly? Would he do that to the elect, or are they not the elect if they fail? I I believe God sometimes puts things in our life not to be giving us a grade, but to allow us to know where we're at. Hmm. 
How about that? And Ooh. and so I believe that sometimes things happen in life where God's like, Ken, I kind of need you to see what's really going on. I need you to see that your temper is not <laughs> where you thought it was, that you, you know, you thought you'd worked on it really well. And there's some some room for growth there, Ken. I don't believe that God puts it in there because it's some kind of like pass or fail kind of test where it's like, well, you failed that one. You've got an F and you're not going to be in heaven now. And so God's greatest desire is that you and I are with him for eternity. That's what God wants. Mm, Yeah. And if that's what you want, um, God's going to get you there. I like it. One final question, and this is a shout out to Aaron. Um, You are always uh, providing us in the chat with a lot of love and a lot of questions. And this week, um, she really made herself just really open and, and, and transparent in this process in their chat with, uh, it was, uh, myself and Gabby, who was our online worship host this past Saturday and Ken answered her grace, answered her question with a lot of grace and with his own personal transparency, which really resonated with a lot of us, uh, particularly the online audience. And I'm sure those that were in attendance as well. And I wanted to just, even though he answered this question and I would Definitely encourage you to go back. It was during second service, and that's what you'll find on the front page of the website, Church, And the the latest sermon, you can click on that, and that would be at the end towards Q&A. But I resonated with what she said. She was the person that said, wow, I feel seen to realize that, wow, maybe I'm not the only person that has this fear of being on the wrong side of, of God or of this, yeah. of the end times. And because I asked, I said, how do you, how do you feel seen? And so she started working through this and I thought to share it, if you're, if you're wondering maybe how it looks like, I really thought the way she kind of started progressing through her thoughts. So we put it, I, I put them down and she said she found herself on the fear, definitely on the fear based side of the spectrum for sure. And, you know, wondering as she moved on how to get off the side of that spectrum and stop making it about trying to earn everything or maybe later on, maybe she was just afraid like the guy with the talent he buried, afraid of risk of, of getting it wrong. And how do you switch from fear driving your love or actions that are seen as loving equaling love is an action to what Ken talked about, perfect love, casting out fear. And then she finally ended with, I think fear really drives everything I do in some way. How do you shift from that mentality when you don't even know how to love? It is like I look at definitions in the Bible of love and try to follow it like a manual, still like a checklist, because I guess I don't know how to love, how to live any other way. And as she was going through that progression, I just was like, wow, I, 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 I resonate with that. I've been there before. I've seen that. I've felt that. I've felt those feelings where you're just not sure of maybe a whole lot. And and then Ken's answer was perfect. And Melanie, I, I, I know you were there. And I don't know if you remember his answer. But is there, what would you tell? What would you tell someone who's working through that same, those same set of feelings? Because I loved the progression as she was just, I felt like the Holy Spirit was just kind of moving her along, making her realize some of these thoughts and feelings. Well, I actually did not hear what Ken said because I was trying to be three places at once. Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> but I'm sure it was wonderful. Um, <laughs> I think uh, with confidently for, it was yes. I, I without knowing what Ken said, my 
my response would be from a personal place. I think of times in my life when I was most afraid. And it was during those times when I had a particular picture of God that I look back on now and think, whoa, that was, that was a little skewed. Um, And so it was my own picture of God that was causing the fear that I was carrying around. And when I allowed for a bigger God, um, a different picture of God, then that's when the fear dissipated. Where did your new picture of God come from? Well, first of all, my old picture of God had to be completely destroyed. And I've talked about it a little bit. I think one of the things that destroyed that picture of God was when our son was killed. And um, I think uh, more when I went to seminary and started coming up against some of these theological things that I had just taken for granted. And then I really had to think through them. And then you know, when I went on there from there into my PhD program and really had to wrestle through, um, some, some things at an even deeper level, I was, I was forced to relinquish this picture of God that I was afraid of, but also comfortable with, if that makes any sense. Yep. And when I let go of that, that was, that was a terrifying experience. But what I realized was in the absence of that picture of that small God was room for a much bigger, more capable, you know, more powerful, more mysterious God than I had ever known before. And that's the God that I worship now. Hmm. I resonate with what you just said as well, that I didn't, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be to let go Mm-hmm. of the picture of God that I carried from my youth and my early adult years. And when I met Heather and met her God, I was like, whoa, that God is way better. I mean, the, the contrast was so stark. It's like, wow, that's that's amazing. But then it, you you find that and it's like this new this new thing and you love every bit of it. And then you realize how many pieces, the tentacles of that other part of vision or who you thought God was is attached to a lot of places to yourself. And that is so hard to let go of. So, and it stings every time one of those little ones pops uh, off, doesn't it? And you think you have to grieve. You really do. You have to grieve that understanding of God because your understanding of God also determines who you believe you are. Yeah. And so when your picture of God changes and your whole identity then has to change, that's a, that's a tough row, but yeah, I mean, it's a difficult thing, but I, I didn't enjoy it, but I wouldn't trade it. No, I, I didn't enjoy the process and it causes problems in your life wherever you are. If you're in a marriage, it's going to cause problems in your marriage. If you're in a, it could cause problems at your job. It can cause all kinds of things when you have to finally say, yeah, this is important to me because this is what I believe. And now that I've been shown, I can't go back, but good grief, there's some hard stuff I'm going to have to plow through yeah. to let these go. Because you so, can't unsee what you've seen. You can't unhear what you've heard. You can't you know, no. un- understand what has been made clear to you. Even if it changes things in your life that you hold dear, mm-hmm. they have to go. And I think that's why God says you're going to have to, I, I have to come first because there's too many things that are going to, you're going to hold on to that you just can't. Well, that's the trust part. I mean, it is a massive trust fall. Mm-hmm. And I think that we like to, you know, keep our fingernails on lots of different ledges, <laughs> even if those ledges are not really secure in themselves. We want to keep our fingernails because we're afraid of the trust fall. 
Yeah. I would just encourage anyone that if, if you're, if you're feeling like, and Aaron, thank you for, for your vulnerability. Yeah, thank Ken, you. Ken's answer and his vulnerability that he showed on Sabbath and Melanie and just sharing stories. But I hope what the, the overall theme that you find is that stick with it. It, it just because you feel like you're a little bit lost or you're, you're not on the right side of things or, you know, it's a checklist. Sometimes it is a checklist. And sometimes that checklist becomes very clear. This and this and this have to go in my life. And I probably can't let all of them go at once. So pray over which one has to go and go, God, if you need this gone, then I'm going to need some help because obviously I am not equipped to do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you'll find that as those go away and become better, your love for God gets deeper and deeper. And that's where that relationship really, for me, really started to blossom. So, uh, Aaron, I've been praying for you since Sabbath. I just, I've really felt a pulling on my heart and I'm just, I, I hope that the answers and the, the Holy Spirit is working inside of you to just make you, um, to bring you into a, a really, really good place. And so that's been my prayer. Okay. Um, this week is come and see what God has done. Where are we going, Ken? It's the big Christmas. It's, the hey, big it's Christmas our big weekend. Christmas program at yep. Whole Life, whether you're going to watch us online or you're coming to uh, worship in person. Uh, we'll look forward to, to being a part of this next Saturday for you. So um, yeah, if you are visiting in person, I would encourage you to think about first service as an option. <laughs> yeah, um, I was say, yep. we, uh, we do have some extra room outside of the worship center, but I know that that's always a little disappointing to come and, and maybe not be able to be inside the worship center for the service. So um, we have overflow. But uh, if, if you hear at first service, I feel pretty confident that uh, you'll be able to find a seat course, I guess if everybody takes my advice, <laughs> advice. On that, then, then maybe that would be different. But uh, come early, but no matter what. At least yeah. you'd have the option for second service. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, but uh, so do that. Think about that a little bit. Um, first or second service, and if you're viewing online, um, you know, still show up early. Why not? I mean, sure. You know, there's someone in the chat early. Yeah, Joe. If nobody else is there, Joe will be there <laughs> early. Nice. So I will go. say this, though. I will say we have a an orchestra and a choir and a band. We have got. So if you do have sensory sensitivities, actually, that room that you just described uh, might be a better option. That's true, because the, yeah, maybe because a little it will bit. Probably be a little louder a little bit, than a little bit more noise controlled in, in yeah. there. Yeah. So that's a lot of music playing in a small space. It is. Even without <laughs> microphones. So if you're sitting right in front of the stage, it could uh, could be the old Max L commercial, commercial with sitting yeah. in your chair with the hair out. However, well, if I, you enjoy that sort of thing, yeah, now yeah, you know where to come early. Yeah. <laughs> really early. And I'll just, you know, I, I enjoy it wherever I'm sitting. So, um, but you know, it, like Molly said, if there are options and do what my wife does, she, uh, she always carries no matter where she goes, we go to soccer games and Rochelle slip in her, uh, little ear plugs to, dampen the noise for her and that helps her out and, and if you get some come back and see us well we do have some that's right for at the sound, booth. Mm-hmm. We do sound booth i will say though that our, our sound people work really hard to yeah. pay attention to what the right um decibel levels are and um to not put it in unsafe for too long just uh, know periods. there's hot spots yeah. within yeah. the worship center yeah. that uh, are uncontrollable so if you happen to be in one of those don't feel bad about coming and asking now we have some... completely terrified everyone they're like should we come should we no go? come yeah, it's come. gonna be wonderful i just wanted you to i mean and like we'll we'll have some brass yeah. and some things like that 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 obviously you can put it behind a shield but it's you know it's still brass yeah yep. so all right well that's gonna do it for this week guys thanks so much for listening have a great week